You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gab. Welcome back to 1K Combos. We're here with Shamir Turner. How you doing? Welcome. Feeling good. Thank you so much. Yeah, you found the place. Thank you for coming. Yes. I love Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're here now, and this, this episode is actually long, long overdue. I think we've been talking about getting you in the studio for... It's been a while. Yeah. It's been yeah, a while. it's been a few months for sure. I mean, what's funny is I think our campaign has also been... It's been a long stretch for the campaign as well. We started very, very early, <laughs> and so it's been a long run for us as well. Yeah. So now, for those who don't know, you're running for ward, and I always butcher this one. I want to say <laughs> it. <laughs> Cario? So it's actually, what's interesting about this one is that um, the it's, it starts with a K, mm-hmm. but it actually is a G sound. So it's Galahio. Galahio. Perfect. See? Well, as perfect as I have gotten. Galahio. <laughs> yeah. Not cardio. See, I knew I was I was gonna butcher it, and I did butcher it. Gotta heal. Yes. Right. And you know, this is a very interesting time to be involved in in politics. You know, obviously, the federal election just passed. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like you know a provincial election might also be around the corner soon. Yeah. Like <laughs> back and forth. We know it's coming for sure. It's twenty twenty three. But yeah, who knows what could happen before that? Nobody knows. And then you know, one that. Is not really talked about, but we're having October 18th, is it? October, October 18th, 18th, yeah. A municipal election in Edmonton, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, one of the most fascinating stats that you guys had sent over to me is that there's only a 30% voter turnout, which I think is nuts because, <laughs> yeah. so for a municipal election to only have 30% is mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. It's like... It is, it's really wild. And when we're door knocking and I tell that stat, every person that I say it to is shocked. Whether you vote or like whether they know they vote or they know they don't vote, <laughs> they're shocked still. That's, yeah. that's that, I was shocked when I, I did not know that. You yeah. know, and then maybe I need to do a little more, a little more research. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, why, like, why do you think that, that that number is so low when obviously federal elections, provincial elections mm-hmm. have a much higher turnout? Why do you think there is not much... Uh, attention to municipal elections because they're very important especially with the policies that are you know get passed in our city yeah i mean i think that i think it's a combination of people not really understanding the distinction of what each order of government is in control of people are just like i don't know what the city council does versus what the province does and you kind of see that at the doors as well people are saying this is what my issue is and i'm like okay that's actually federal or that's actually another order so i think it's a little bit of that but it's also um, that it's a lot more work. Like, um, there's, there's not a, a Coles Notes version. There's not a leader that is outlining a platform that you can kind of say, okay, the person coming to my door agrees with or believes in one, two, three. With municipal, um, city council, you don't have parties. So you, or at least here we don't here in Edmonton. I think there might be a few jurisdictions across Canada that do, but for the most part, it's, it's kind of an independent person. So it's an individual saying, this is what I want to run. I want to represent my community for X reasons. And the voters have to look into that. And so in my ward right now, I believe that, I guess the, the it just closed the other day in terms of who's finally on the ballot. So I think there's five in the ward that I'm running in. But I think the one ballot, one ballot has 12. 
And so you think about if you want to do the work, which a lot of, there's a lot of voter apathy just generally. So you're like, I want to do the work. And let's say you start at one. It's like, are you going to get all the way through the websites of 12? Are you going to actually be able to take notes and see the distinctions between them? Because they may be talking about a lot of the same things because the same issues for, for the city are the sim- are similar. So I think that that's a lot of why um, you don't see a lot. Because people are like, I don't know enough. And people don't like to be uninformed voters either. Mm-hmm. And you think that's a that has a high... That's, that's a big reason for why people aren't just showing up to vote, yep. right? Yeah. Um, what do you think some of the highest priorities for change that need to happen uh, in Edmonton? Well, for me, I honestly think it starts with like just a mindset change. Mm-hmm. And like, what do we want our city to be? And what do we think are our challenges? And who do we want to prioritize in the solutions for those challenges? And I mean, it sounds like very... Um, very large, but if we're having a if we're if we're having an argument, I'll use an example that's not that's connected to the city, but not exactly. But um, if we're having an argument as to whether climate change is an issue, we're definitely not addressing it, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that that one big challenge that I'd like to see this new council is to have an agreed upon sense of what our issues are, because that's the first place that you can actually start brainstorming and creating solution, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm seeing that a bit more, um, but there are still candidates, I think, across the wards that really see the world. Um, the way that I've been talking to people at the door is they're, they're much more comfortable with the status quo. They really want to have these kind of reversals, and they're not looking at kind of the big, bold, and some of it uncomfortable um, changes that, that are coming. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is kind of this, it's much larger than one issue, but that is at the crux of every issue mm-hmm. is how are we approaching this problem and are we open enough to see it solving it in a way that we're not that we're not used to mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned something about a mindset change mm-hmm. you know edmonton is a blue collar city and i personally since i've been here in 2018 mm-hmm. since i moved back here in 2018 um i started to see a bit of a, a shift you know um and there is a shift towards more of an arts and culture focus. I know that you talk about that on your platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that shift is, is happening now? Do you think that, you know, there is still some residual of that blue collar? Well, it's an interesting thing, like, because I've lived in Edmonton my whole life, mm-hmm. right? And so when it's, like, the definition of what Edmonton is really can depend on who and what you're around. But I would say that I understand that, like, and I come from an insurance, back, commercial insurance background, and so all, like, there's this huge oil and gas servicing, which mm-hmm. can connect to that kind of, and, and dovetails to, like, construction and things like that, which is that kind of blue-collar piece. And that is where a lot of our money um, has come from. That is where, uh, like, a lot of people had people connected to that. And so it could feel like... Um, that that's all we did here. But we're actually, Edmonton has actually been a really diverse economy that has a huge government sector, which is really, which is not really that blue collar. And it has like some government being hospitals, government being like the actual government, as well as um, our higher education institutions, right? So we have a lot of that sort of, and then we've got our financial sector, like ATB started here. And like, you know, in Canadian Western Bank, like we do have these things that we've kind of grown. Um, Stantec, a large engineering company. So we do have a lot of, there's a lot here, but I would definitely agree that it, that people only were able to see Edmonton through one lens. And I think it was that kind of mm-hmm. blue collar lens. But now I think because 
um, probably a lot of reasons, but I, I like whether it's downturn in oil, just like shifting understanding of like what got us here. I think that there's many quotes that people say that I can't remember who, but like what got us here won't get us where we need to go. And I think there's this realization of that. And so that is, I think, feeding into the shift mm-hmm. of saying, oh, wait, wait, we've always been doing these other things like BioWare started here. You know, mm-hmm. and so you're and like, oh, wait, this time, right. Yeah. It's like we've always been doing these things. But now someone's like, wait, no, we have to pay attention to that. Maybe we can do more of that mm-hmm. because what we have been easily just um, for lack of a better um, word, kind of coasting on this oil and gas, this industry that has always been kind of fueling us in the servicing may not be there in the same way. Mm-hmm. So that I think that that is feeding into that um, into that shift. Mm-hmm. And and that is a a big conversation, especially with climate change and mm-hmm. you know the shift towards more renewable energy and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's like how does edmonton this place that has that lens of oil and gas and you know um how does that shift take place and how do you how would you know edmonton as a city have to collaborate with you know the provincial and federal governments to kind of make that shift kind of more concrete well it's like Mindset shifts, because I think it, it can start that. And we see that on the doors all the time, is that people um, will think that they sit in one camp, but they're really into some very kind of progressive, <laughs> um, some interesting pieces. So I think that it's it's giving people or showing people that we're already doing the things that, you, that are going to get us where we're going um, and highlighting that, and then having things be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'll use kind of... One example, it's not spot on, but when you think about, like I was thinking about Century Park, we had the extension of the LRT line, Century Park, because one thing that comes up a lot for us at the doors is we've got, in in Millwoods, they're building the train stations about Mm -hmm. to open up, and people are like, but there's not enough parking around it. And so it's like, we have trained people in the city to not think about um, transit, or specifically LRT, as a part of a, a transit system. We've trained them to think of who you drive to the train and then you can use the train. But that's not how it happens. In, like, how it you were just in New York, right? It's like that's not how it happens in all these places that when you're on transit, you're on transit the whole route. And so um, the person I was chatting with at the door, I was saying, I understand that, that, of course, that's what you want is you want more parking at transit. But I'm like, the idea <laughs> is that um, the transit is the whole trip. And so... When we had Century Park, they really had that huge parking lot. And so they said, just drive here and then take the train. It's easy. So it got people on the train, but it got them expecting that all transit looks one way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's there's small things that can be done in the example of kind of this big one that I'm using is that you, we need to have like really good routes. We should have had really, really great bus routes um, that got you to that train station. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it was little ones that people in their neighborhoods had to, maybe they got dropped off to one central spot, but then that bus that got you to the train was super efficient. That would get people used to um, thinking about the transit as a whole system. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the other orders of government, as well as us, it's like we need to kind of come together and say, okay, what are those things that we can start to help inf- influence and, and, and open people's mind in a way that is palatable, <laughs> right? Like it, it's like it, it, we, we need to make it easy. We need to make it pleasant mm-hmm. for them um, to t- help take us uh, through. And I think if you can have those sorts of conversations at the onset with the other orders, that's something that's very hard to disagree with mm-hmm. partisan wise. Yeah. Right. You're like, I believe in this. I believe in this. It's like, okay. But like, if we all believe in that, we're trying to, 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 to talk to our population and get them used to things changing. Mm-hmm. And we want to make this specific change a little bit easier. 
okay, let's all get, let's, let's bend on now. Okay. We agree to that. Let's all brainstorm ways that we could do that. Mm-hmm. When you talk about brainstorming and the conversation, mm-hmm. um, obviously with the 30% voter yeah. turnout, who is that 30% and, and who is participating in the conversation right now and how do we get you know more people more folks yeah to participate in that <laughs> i think that is like i think that's uh every politician's like million dollar question is like how do we get the youth vote how do we get more people engaged in voting um i don't think it's one thing and and we've been trying to do some research around like edmonton edmonton but like even canada doesn't do as much exit polls as you see there's tons of kind of statistics and data that come out of the states so we were i was actually trying to find out i'm like how many people between the age of like 18 and 26 vote Hmm. municipally Uh, even vote but like me but i and we couldn't find anything and so we don't have as much of those exit polls but we we do have a sense that it's seniors vote a lot like people over the age of 65 vote a lot um who are those people that vote um i think we've seen that they're 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 not always um, they're not always folks who don't feel like there's it's going to make any change. Mm-hmm. So you can see that with um, whether it's newcomers, whether it's I'm first generation Canadian, you can see like but you can say like oh what is this going to do mm-hmm. um, if I cast my one vote? So there's a lot of people of color that don't vote in especially in municipal. Um, but then there's a lot of folks that just don't think it's going to be like we've gone to the doors and people are it's like nope I've given up on all of that. And so I don't think it's, it's, I think that mindset exists in a lot of people, but, um, like you're 18 to 25, they're just, they're just building their lives. They're just living their lives and doing their thing. And they're not really paying attention to this. So I think that we know that the voter turnout in that group is low. Um, and we know that it's high for seniors and, um, and for folks like depending on what you want to even call, um, an older demographic, Mm -hmm. probably 50 and up. 50 and up you'd Mm -hmm. say is the, that's. Those statistics are kind of, um, I don't want to say disturbing, but disturbing, <laughs> you know, because if you're looking at it, like, if most of the people that are voting are 50 and up, mm-hmm. and they, you know, pass away, and they, you know, whatever, then who's voting? <laughs> who's who's well, voting? I think that, like... There, I think like people eventually get to that point where I think because like when you're an 18 year old, you're making what's your big decisions? You're trying to figure out like, what are you going to do? Or are you going to get a car? Or are you going to, to some sort of post-secondary? Like, what's my job? What's my career? Like mm-hmm. your mind is so full of many things. Um, but eventually mm-hmm. you get to a point where it's like, OK, I have a job or it's like I'm done school. I've got a job. And now I'm paying taxes. Wait. Now I'm paying attention to what those taxes mean in terms of the impact of me being able to buy a house or get a car or um, raise a family. Like, like, so I think that people do eventually tune in. The idea is that um, the hope and the real shift of change can happen is if you can get them to tune in earlier. Mm-hmm. Because, and I've been, I've been saying it to anybody who will listen to me, but um, which is slightly more people than before, like a year and a half ago, but um, that if... If the voter turnout or the people who are 20 to, to 30, let's say, if, they're, if they increase their voter turnout in a huge way, that next, it, it, it shifts the way that campaigns have to possibly happen. It shifts the issues that are being talked about. Because right now, you don't have to talk about certain issues um, that really are long-term, big planning things if you're only talking about, like, you, you want to make sure that long-term care is a huge, is a huge thing. Like, you're talking to specific groups who you know are going to come out and so but if all of a sudden the next election they're like wait we had a huge 
shift in people in this age group are coming out to vote, wait, what do they care about? Okay, that means I have to start talking about that. I can't just talk about the th- kind of the things that every 45-year-old or every 50-year-old cares about, right? Mm-hmm. Now I have to find out what a 22-year-old cares about and then find out a position on that because I know they're going to come out and vote. Mm-hmm. And they, if I'm not talking about it and my and another one is, then I'm going to lose that vote. And I mean, Bernie Sanders has been, was been trying to do that for, for a long time, yeah. right? Like he was really like, we can change the world if 18 to 30s vote. Mm-hmm. And he's still struggling to get that. So I, 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 I think like... We know where the shift needs to happen. Um, and I mean, I think they're saying generation, is it Z? Z? Gen Z. I don't even know the names anymore. The one the one after me. <laughs> um, but that they're much more engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that there is potential there. But a lot of them can't vote yet, or they're on that cusp of being able to vote. Um, so we're hopeful that that shift's going to happen. But I, I mean, there's certain things that we don't have the time to wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got a chance to speak to city council during you know the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and one thing i noticed was the lack of representation in city council and that you know flicked the light on in my head it's like well if there's no one that looks like me up there how are some of the in the issues that affect the black community mm-hmm. going to get out there you know um you being a black woman how does that kind of affect your platform and and um in your run for city council Oh, it's huge. Um, I feel like I could probably, I'm like a few more stats for you <laughs> um, to start is that um, there's been, I think, 31 women ever on city council. There have been, I think, 238, 240 men in Edmonton's wow. history. You have had four people of color Wow! in all of Edmonton on city council. And... Um, I mean, I know who three of them are. <laughs> like, I mean, so so it's like this is this. It's a very very recent thing, mm-hmm. and so there's and there's been never a woman woman of color on council. So, absolutely, um, the conversations, the um, the priorities that are happening at that table are are so exclusionary, mm-hmm. um, because you have the same types of minds. Or the same few types of minds trying to solve um, and now new and ever-changing issues. And so, like, exactly what you're talking about, like, going to talk to city council. And I listened to some mm-hmm. of those, um, some of that town hall or however, whatever they ended up calling it. And it was, like, there was a lot of silence from, like, there, there wasn't a lot of questions coming from, from council. There was, like, there was a lot of silence that I noticed. Whether, and I don't know if it was silence of fear, um, not knowing what to say, or not really engaging for lack of a better word in what this huge presentation of um of issues was an experience and like this is a problem that you have not seen and we are like in five minute bursts we are going to tell you a whole thing of a world that you've not seen before and you've not tapped into before and um and we need to fix it Mm -hmm. and the silence was hard because you're just like are you there? Do you see? Do you like? Do you think that this is just a flash in the pan sort of thing, and we can move on? Um, and so I think that for me, we really need people so much. <laughs> we need people in those spaces because being um, being in a protest, um, which is now like which which is, and it's not to say like every lever, every lever that. Um, that exists. Activists have an incredible important role and, and community organizers and nonprofits and, and sometimes businesses and like they all have a role, but like the policy changes mm-hmm. at that table and we need people at that table mm-hmm. because it's, it's not going to be enough 
to just say, hey, this is this problem. Because we've seen that it just, there's not enough vested interest. On the topic of representation, do you think that Edmonton, or even Alberta, we'll stick to Edmonton. Do you think Edmonton is ready for a black woman on city council? Yes. Um, I really think that it's so radical Mm -hmm. because it's never happened, but it's not radical because everybody knows a woman of color, uh, maybe not a black woman, but they know a woman of color who is doing a fantastic job at something, right? They, they know that their boss or their boss's boss or, or they see a photo of, of, of somebody on a leadership team or like we see, um, like, I mean, if you want to use the States, it's like we see, we see people in these positions all the time. And so it's like there are, there's going to be a segment of people who are going to have an issue with it. But I think that that is a really small segment. Edmonton has, um, I think, I'm trying to think of the stat, but I think it's 45% of Edmonton is not white. 45%? Wow. Yeah. So you're like, okay, so those folks are fine <laughs> For, to a certain extent, right? And I mean, me being black, I think anti-blackness and, and there's those things that can, can add other layers. But if we say, um, let's say that that's a, that's a good chunk of people that are fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I think the segment of people who really have a real issue um, is really small. There's going to be people who have um, potentially biases, like those unconscious biases, mm-hmm. where they might question or or really seek. Can I get credibility tests all like often around? It's like, what do you know about this, or what do you know about this? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or um, and I can say, well, this is what my experience is, and this is who I am. And they're like, okay. And the amount of times I've heard people being like, well, it's not like you know what you're talking about. And I was like, yeah, because I'm prepared for this, <laughs> or I tried to prepare for this as much as I could. Where um, those are some hoops that I have to walk through that if you're like a white man in a suit and you walk up and you're like, I'm trying to run for city council, people are like, oh, okay, I believe and already assume that you can do it. So what are the, what's your platform? What's your plan? Whereas the questions are a little bit different for me. But um, I think that many women of color, black women, I mean, I was raised where I was told that you had to be, you had to be better mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. order to get a bit and so I think if you're like the, the black woman there's a, there's another black woman running in the in, in this race as well but I mean if you're the person that you're getting who's going to be attempting to do it is somebody who absolutely has is more than capable mm-hmm. and possibly more capable than folks who have already done it so um I think that more of Edmonton will get very excited about um potentially being like look how progressive we've done or look how look how much um like Edmonton having the first woman of color, like a black woman on council. Like I think that there's more folks who will be like quite happy to see that Edmonton has made that step mm-hmm. than will be like, oh no, I have a big problem with this. Mm-hmm. And your experience, you know, speaks for itself. You know, you've been, it's what, 16 years you were working in the finance insurance industry. So you, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You, you know how to deal with budgets and, and, and fiscal responsibility. And that's something that, you know, city council, obviously needs how does your experience uh you know push you know edmonton forward in the right direction well what i've been uh trying to connect that like so i've been a commercial insurance broker for 16 years 14 years or whatever and i've been working in risk management as well and i think that it's it's decision making right it's it's the mindset that i have 
is, and what I think I can bring to council, is it, it's really like we want, we know where we need to go, or I'm not opposed to said issue or said solution, but tell me more about it. What are the impacts of that? Who are we possibly forgetting? Um, I was sitting on the anti, uh, not anti-racism, um, sitting in on some of the advisory committees that the city has that anybody, any regular citizen can sit in on. And it was a bit easier on Zoom. So I remember sitting on the accessibility committee, just listening in and them talking about, um, them talking about how this new train, this billion dollar train, and they're just like, they're trying to get the accessibility committee to give some, some support and saying, okay, what do we, what might need, what might we need around um, to make sure that this is accessible for those with mobility issues, hearing impairment, um, um, blind or anything like that, right? And um, they're like, this should be a part of the plan already. Like, it's, it, I mean, the train is already done, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like we can give some advice, but um, where, where those pieces are, are kind of missing, I want to be as somebody or a space to ask a bit more questions. Mm-hmm. And, and that is to make a sound decision or a decision that you can stand behind. So when I'm advising clients as an insurance, when I was an insurance broker, or now I work internal at a company, it's really like, I want you to, I want you to be able to do the thing you want to do, but how can we make sure that we're the most prepared for the consequences as in the risks or the most prepared to address any of the other things that, um, that you might not have thought about in terms of starting this thing. And so I think that that's my hope of something that I can bring to council. Mm-hmm. And so council can um, can ask administration because the process administration will come up with certain things saying this is what we want to do based on our study and that sort of thing and and to be able to say okay, let's let's ask some more questions. Why haven't we why wasn't a, an accessibility um, consultant a part of this billion dollar project from the beginning? And I don't want to talk out of turn and say that necessarily um, it wasn't cause I sat in on one advisory committee meeting. So I don't want to say that they weren't, but like to make sure that it's like, Hey, who else are we not thinking about in, mm-hmm. in these situations? And I think that being somebody, being a woman of color, but also knowing that the default doesn't include a lot of folks, just knowing that mm-hmm. inherently, in addition to kind of the, the, the risk mindset that I have, I think those two things would be valuable on council or like how I can connect what I've been doing to, um, what this decision-making role would be. Mm-hmm. What uh, what drove your decision to run for council? Well, yeah, like it's, uh, I'm trying to try, I keep trying to like shorten <laughs> the story. Um, but I think that, um, I think it kind of connects a little bit to, to chatting about why young people don't vote. But I mean, I was just kind of doing the thing you're supposed to do. First generation Canadian. It's like, you need to um, go to school and get a good job and like build, build something so I can um, support myself and, and, and be there to support family and that sort of thing. And um, I did those things. And then so slowly started to kind of tap in. And then once you have those, that base, that safe base, let's say, is that started to look and see what else is going on in the world, in the broader mm-hmm. world. And, and was always kind of had an interest in, in, in politics. I took political, um, some political science in class, I mean, in university, but it was okay. This is a bigger picture. What's, who's doing this? Who's doing this? Wow. What direction are we going in? And we, like I saw weird things happening in the States, weird things happening in, the United Kingdom, um, all, like all over the world and, and even here in, in this province. And, and in 2019, I saw, I was like, okay, there's an election coming up. I don't know if I like the direction that it seems we might be going in. What can I do? 
And so I volunteered for a campaign. I had a friend who I knew who was doing that, so I volunteered for a campaign, and I was like, oh, okay, this is, and that's kind of when I saw a little bit of the behind the scenes, more than just the vote, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, there's a whole process to get that vote from me, and if they already have mine, they need more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, so I learned, I saw a little bit about that um, in a very, very small way, and then it was over, and I was looking at, and I was like, okay, that's interesting, I'll just pretend, I'll tap in on another election and volunteer, but... I was looking at kind of my own career and where I want to go and where I wanted to, to try and create some impact and wasn't sure where I could do that. And I think I looked a little bit at council, like, cause I, I was like, oh, maybe it's politics, but I just was like, I'm not sure about these other orders of government. I'm not just one thing. And I didn't like the idea of being like, that is my camp and that's the only camp I love and, and everybody else be down sort of mm-hmm. thing. And so that's why municipal sounded a bit interesting. And I know I have not found a way to make this shorter. But I think it, st- it started with like, oh, okay, I can be myself in that in that space. And then, and there's, oh, there's a municipal election coming up in, in a little while. And I think that I chatted with friends and family and thought maybe this might be something. And people were like, oh, you know what, maybe okay, it's a bit out of the, out of the blue. But um, for me, I was like, discovery of what this, how this system is and, and, and what's been going on. And it's like, what can I do in turning it into action? I think that um, the last kind of straw to be like, okay, yes, I can do that was the, uh, the Black Lives Matter um, town hall, or I really should know <laughs> the, the council meetings that they had. And, and I watched a lot of those and I just thought, okay, these are the folks that we have. This is a really big, mm-hmm. this, is a, this is one really big issue that made a lot of people uncomfortable, but took a lot of people off um, guard. And I'm like, there's, this has probably been a topic that's been talked about a lot, and, but no one was listening. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, if those are the folks that can do that, um, I think I have the skills to be able to do that, but I also am open enough to take on a new thing and hear a new issue that I may not have been tapped into before. And when it comes to racial justice, it's one of the things that I have lived. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had my own experiences with that. And yeah, it, whether it's personally or professionally, but it was really like discovering how things are and who's in control now after all that kind of story and journey and how can I help and that sort of thing. But it was that discovery piece. And then it was like, okay, now what can I do? Mm-hmm. And kind of a big step, kind of a big action, but like this was my action. And, and after that, um, if I'm successful, then there, then I'm there and I can see what I can do in that space. And if I'm unsuccessful, it's going to be okay. What, what else can I do? Because this is just kind of the first thing that came, came to be, Mm -hmm. um, as an option to be able to start to shift so much of the mindset because we have been, I just realized we're going so much slower. We're so much further behind than I think that I realized that so many people realized and I'm like, okay, what is actually going to shift it? Because having the same folks kind of say the same thing or be like, no, we get it. We're going to do something about it. It's not getting us there. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, fam, I'm running for city council. <laughs> and, and it's important. Representation is important, yeah. right? To, to see us, to see ourselves up there, you know, sometimes it's like, well, if I don't see myself up there, then even if I'm, expressing my experiences expressing these issues it's falling on deaf ears because mm-hmm. well the old white man that's listening to my issues he's not going to know where i'm coming from you know um and that's what actually what i want to ask you next is mm-hmm. that you know how did growing up in willow woods kind of affect or, or motivate you to 
Well, Mel Woods was like, there was a time, there was a time, like I, I, there was a time in growing up in Mill Woods, which was just so amazing. Like I, I have so many friends still from that time. And I've thought about kind of in these reflection times, um, kind of before I <laughs> decided I wanted to kind of volunteer for that election in 2019. But it was really like looking at my life and I realized that it had become much like less and less diverse as I had gone, as I got older. And I was thinking about what that was about. And I thought, oh, wait, no, because even though there was always, I was always one of very few black people um, in the spaces that I was in in Mill Woods, there was still a lot of diversity. And there were, like, I was always around. It was like, there was, there was Japanese friends and Chinese friends and South Asian friends. And, um, you know, just like even even first generation Canadians or who parents parents of immigrants from Poland or or, or Ukraine. Or like it was just a very diverse space, and it was so amazing. Mm-hmm. And so and I and kind of tapping in or reminding myself, I'm like that's that's why I wanted to run there. Is is that it is such an amazing um, it's, it's such an amazing community, and I'm not sure if it's gotten its. Um, it's dues for being that. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there were, there were a period. There was a period of time where, like, oh no, Edmonton has these uh, nicknames that are talking about it. How it's not, um, not a great place, or it's a dangerous place, or it, it had all of these. Eh, I wouldn't go there. I mean, I I've heard the, mm-hmm. the stereotypes. And yeah, I've heard the, but you know, being someone from inner city Toronto and mm-hmm. coming here and hearing, yeah, people the way people talk about Edmonton or some neighborhoods in Edmonton my first reaction is you guys are taking this place for granted. Oh, for sure. You for know, sure. It was not, it was not, a, I don't think it would, it was a, those stereotypes and that sort of thing. They weren't, they weren't reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they definitely weren't reasonable, but they still, like they still were there. And, and, and there's, I think there's potential racial elements as to why that community got that versus any other area in the city that was having the same issues. Um, issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of race, uh, you know, the city of Edmonton, uh, towards the beginning of the year, had a series of, you know, Islamophobic attacks, and and you know there was a, a string of just series of, you know, this this is a serious issue, you know, mm-hmm. and um, some people in the community might not feel that it was adequately addressed, um, you know, what do you think needs to be done? from the municipal government, what kind of calls to action needs to be done to kind of tackle uh, Islamophobia in, in Edmonton? Because that is a big issue, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the media in some ways, uh, in more ways than not. Um, but, like, what's your opinion on that? And What do you think? Well, this is, like, this comes up to me, at, this comes up to us at the door, all the like people are like, what are you going to do? And I'm just like, <laughs> we don't have a magic answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I also am scared. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I also make sure that we go out in, and I'm, I'm, I'm not Muslim and I'm, I don't wear hijab, but um, there, it's a very specific targeting attacks mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that are happening. And it is scary to feel that you can't just be. You? Um, yeah. Well, just, just be in a space. Mm-hmm. Just be in a space. And there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like personal feelings that um, that I'm trying to think about and manage and and that sort of thing with this with with this and it's this increase this mm-hmm. escalation and I don't want and I think it, it, I don't want this to be a situation where someone has to lose a life 
for people to actually get serious serious about it. Mm-hmm. And I was at a um, was it? Oh, so I think it was an end Islamophobia um, or end Muslim hate rally. Yeah, it was there was a few, um, but there was one at Churchill Square, and it was I think the last speaker, and he was like, "This is not being addressed in the way that it is." In what in terms of what this is, these are not random attacks. He's like, we need to be looking at this as an organization. Like this is not to 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 look. To how do you address a random thing? Oh, this person is just randomly not mm-hmm. is unkind or randomly whatever. It's mm-hmm. like no. You, if you're not looking at this as if it's if it's a system and it's a, like it's a structure and there's let's say there's organization around it, mm-hmm. Which we're looking is. at yeah we're looking at it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that I think I would agree. I would want, I want to see and would do whatever levers in whatever realm that I can as a counselor if successful to be like, that's how we need to start addressing this. And that's how we need to start talking about this. And there's, and this is, I think one of those bigger things around when I talk about being like open-minded where we need folks in these leadership positions who understand that like the solutions aren't going to come from the traditional um, process yeah. exactly the traditional systems in this traditional process and so like I was listening to um, one of the city council hearings and I think they were talking about the the task force recommendations mm-hmm. or calls to action and it wasn't it wasn't when they presented them but it was when they could they, they had sent administration back to say okay come back to us th- in three months with what we can do like let's let's start actioning and um i think it was the chair of the anti-racism advisory committee that when they had their conversation because that's another advisory committee that exists and i like listened in on some of their meetings um over the last x amount of months but the one of the first things the chair said is she was like as soon as that happened and that that was your next step we were like that was the wrong next step like we can't go to these systems that were set up with these inherent um biases and like based on this this these these whether it's colonial or white supremacist or whatever structures you want to call it but like and be like okay now come up with the solution for the mm-hmm. to new to the doesn't new work. the new solve it doesn't work mm-hmm. and um and they've already they all she also said that in the forum to all of council being like your first step was not the right one mm-hmm. um but we need folks who, who get that and understand that and i i feel like i already get that mm-hmm. um and that is it, that shouldn't be a huge hurdle but that could be depending on who that next council is mm-hmm. to help us to try and figure out what are the solutions but um i don't have as i said at the beginning it's like i don't have um concrete answer. the concrete the, yeah. the concrete answers or saying this is what we need to do but there are groups there are organizations that are saying these are the things that we want to start and um and i feel like and i don't want to i don't want to misquote the any of the groups but i know that i have heard that um there are women in the muslim community who are saying we need a way to to report outside of the police chain mm-hmm. we need um they're saying what they they're saying what they need but because it's like, but we don't have that. Just report to the victim service. Like it's it's your, your things are getting stalled, right? Mm-hmm. So there's certain calls that 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 groups are looking for, which is like we need to start keeping stats mm-hmm. on certain things, so that if you need facts, then start collecting them, so we can at least start because we know what the stats already. We, we know what they're going to say, but if you need them written down, then let's start collecting them. Like there's those sorts of things. Um, ending hate symbols, mm-hmm. you know, like there's there's concrete actions that can take place right now, and I know that um, the anti racism advisory committee is also looking at a lot of that the harm of Islamophobia mm-hmm. and and Muslim hate and be like, where are we actually? Because we did go, as you said, with the media and we've gone through this like some gener- some people for a generation um, of, of 
this of painting a picture of what who these people are and what this religion is and all of these things and it's just it's wrong and i think that there's that there is also a space um and that government also has has a good space for a role when it comes to those like even though it sounds small like those information campaigns around like we need to be educating and re-educating people as well as doing the things that the people who are impacted by are looking to have enacted but yeah that's kind of like a <laughs> those that's the way that i would um that those are the things that i'm thinking about in in connection to that question perfect let's break there we've talked a lot about representation and why it's important you know to have the right people in the right rooms in the right conversations in order to make things happen and move move the needle right um how do we make it happen how do we do that well this is the big um this is the big piece this is the big thing because it is work it is a lot of work and a lot of it is it's a lot of unpaid work <laughs> um it's to, to get somebody into a space, whether it's like for me on city council or into any sort of, um, but even I'll, actually I'll stick with, with city council because other orders of government, there's a party structure. So your party can, can bring you staff and give, and they give you policy and um, they can give you funds sometimes as well. Right. But with city council, you, it's you building this thing. And so if we want more, uh, I'll start with, yeah, I'll, I'll stay with city council for now, but if we want more representation, we need to support people who are diverse to get there. So to, to run a campaign, to build a campaign, you need so many volunteers. There are so many volunteer jobs <laughs> to do. Um, door knocking obviously is a huge one, uh, but there's there's call there's phone canvassing, there's calling people on the phone, there's data entry, there's mapping things, there's delivering signs, there's, del like, there's just, there's feeding the people who are doing all of those things. There's so much work to be done. And I think that we really need to move from to move from the just the protest or just that this is outrageous or this should change um, or the social media shares and likes to an actual I'm going to show up and do some work not just vote not just vote so that's that's a great thing this so voting is what I've learned <laughs> over the last um, few years is that voting is actually the minimum so getting out to vote, that's great. They need your vote. But what we really need is every person who believes in a candidate, believes in me, and wants to vote for me, they need to get me 10 times more votes. They need to help me get to more people, to get to more voices, uh, to, to, get my, get, to get my message and who I am in front of more people. And you can only do so much of that as one person. Right. Like I can go and I like I'm still, I can I can go and knock on doors for hours. But if there were five other people doing that as well, look how much more ground I'm covering. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that is a that is a really big piece that I think that stalls a lot of people because they, I mean, they've never done it before. I had never done anything like this before. And so we're like, well, what do you need? And now we and even early on, we built this really, really over a long period of time to try and learn what we needed so that when we went out to someone, we're like, okay, hey, now we know what we need you to do. Um, but we have to make, like, this is a, it's going to be a call to action to everybody who's listening here. Um, find out, find out what ward you're in. Find out who's running. Find someone that you want us, that you want to see in that seat and then call them and say, what do you need? Send them an email and say, what can I do to help you get there? Because without people power, 
we're just putting, and, and I'll say specifically, we're just putting women in color in a situation where they are going to get attacked and overworked and stressed and, and we're not going to move the needle because they're going to be moved, they're, they're, they're fighting against this huge machine, this huge network of, of, um, of political folks who have done this before. And they, you, 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 you do for others, you do for your people. And, and, but we're on the outside of that. And so it's, you can't hard to tap in. So we have to build all that skill on our own, mm-hmm. but it takes, it takes, so it takes a lot of time and we can't just say we need more women of color to, to vote. I mean, sorry, not to vote, to, to run and then just say, okay, good luck. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost cruel <laughs> um, in certain circumstances. So I would say, and, and, and donations are also connected to that um, because you can have, if you have a lot of money, you might need less volunteers because you can pay people to mm-hmm. do certain things. Um, if you don't, <laughs> then you need way more volunteers. But there's there's like certain amounts to be able to run um, a viable campaign. You need a certain amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. And like those lawn signs, kind of, the lawn signs are one thing that blew my mind in terms of those are thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars to get lawn signs. And that's what helps spread the word. Because again, we talked about that municipal people don't pay as much attention to. But um but I also want us to, um, us as, as BIPOC folks, is to build this skill. And so I've been, anytime I've had a chance to chat with anybody, I've said, I'm like, come and learn how to do this on a campaign that will let you. Because all these other bigger campaigns, you can go and volunteer, but you're going to be somebody who's just delivering a sheet of paper. You're not going to see the mechanisms behind, the strategy behind. And I'm like, this is an opportunity to do that. And we've been trying to, we've been trying to get people to come in and see that because if we don't know how this part works as good as we would be at that table, we can't get there if we don't know how this part works. And I think that that is another big piece as to why we haven't seen more, um, more people of color, uh, more, more BIPOC women. Like we have not seen them in those spaces because it is so much work to just figure out how to do it. Whereas you've got people who are sitting in a situation where they can plug and play. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think there was another, there's a podcast that's um, that's happening in the city that's talking about the women, the few women that have been on city council before. And I think they had one episode and it just stuck with me. So I mention it every time I can, but they had one episode and I think it was the 2017 election where one of the women was saying that she, she went to this group where um, it was it was an organization that said, no, we want to help women, um, not just women of color, but women uh, run for council. So we want to help you connect. And this is at a time where, where corporations could donate and, and unions, they can't anymore, but could donate funds to, to campaigns. And, and she said that there were three or four women of color who were in that room at their table, at their booth, ready to kind of make their pitch and make their connection. And... She was like, nobody came to the women of color's table. They went to the spaces of the people that they either expect to be able to know, do that or they knew or had some sort of connection to. So it, it was like a live example of that lack of access to network mm-hmm. and how much of a, more of a hurdle that is. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a long, it's a long answer, but it is so vital to this conversation of representation that if we do not know how to to um in a bigger picture if we don't know how to run these campaigns then we're always relying on on other folks at the whim of other folks to come in and help us and we want to do for ourselves but also we can't 
it's not just going to happen. Mm-hmm. It is going to be work. And it's not all, it's like, I mean, we go out and we door knock and we have a good time and that sort of thing, but it's, it's not all going to be light and fun. It's like, yeah, I need someone to type things into a spreadsheet, but that's hours of work that like the candidate can't do, mm-hmm. um, that we need help with. So yeah, that's kind of like, it's kind of a call to action because I really have seen, especially over the last um, year and a half, like we've seen so many people kind of become aware mm-hmm. um, of how far behind we are, like we were talking about before when it comes to to racial justice and equity for, for women, for, um, for black people, for like people of color, you know what I mean? That people are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And it's like, what do we do? And as you see with lots of, um, thing like it, it kind of is a big flash and then people kind of just don't who don't have to experience it all the time it kind of becomes less of a on fire issue but like this is something that you can do this is something that you can take that that confusion or that shock or whatever and saying how can we fix this go out and support a candidate um, for me I would say like definitely go out I would say go and support a woman who's running there's very there's I think there's few women of color running in this election I think there's 10 I think there's 10, um, but that's out of 85 mm-hmm. candidates running. So we have a very high, there's a very possible possibility that we have no diversity on council, right? You know, cause some of them are like, I'm running against one. Right. And um, so I, I really would love to see that people understanding that this is going to be work. And there are folks who are willing to put it in um, that I'm like, okay, I'm willing to step up and say, yeah, I'll, I'll be this person. But it's like, I need help. And it's not not just me, right, to move beyond me. It's like, we need help mm-hmm. to be able to move that needle or we're not going to get anywhere. Well, we need to help each other, right? Yeah. We need to support each other. We need to, you know, each one teach one, right? Yeah. Educate, advocate, and then amplify. Exactly. Shamira Turner, thank you so much for coming to the Gifted Gab. Well, thank you so much. I had a lovely time. <laughs> no, it's a great conversation. Anytime. Thank you. My platform is your platform. Perfect. Um, let our viewers know where they can find you. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, so um, I, I won't go through all the socials, but I'll say that the best place to connect is shamerturner.com. And that is going to be where you can, um, if you're if you're a voter, you can kind of look look into me, learn a little bit more about who I am and how I kind of, the lens that I look at the world through, because that's going to impact how I'm going to make decisions. And if you see something you like, you can, as I said, volunteer. You can pledge to support, grab a lawn sign or, or um, just pledge to vote. And then, and there's always an opportunity to donate. Awesome. I do have one ask. Yep. When you do get to city council, <laughs> I need you to bring back Shisha to Edmonton. <laughs> okay. I've been dying. I don't drink. I have no reason to leave my house. Please. <laughs> Please. I need. Oh, that was, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not wading into that. I was like, that is a big thing. But I understand the desire for community. <laughs> help, help a brother out. <laughs> You guys Thank heard it you. here first. Thank <laughs> you so much, Shamir. One K Convos, your boy Alex Eskandarka, and just like that, 